0: Hello, hello. Welcome to hometown daily season two episode 208 for July Twenty Seventh, 2023. Disney magic tubes of New York. We've already got all 12 of our articles. We're going to start with air tags that lead to multiple restaurant heist Millennium Falcon Comet air tag assist in stolen motorcycle range rigging report platform polarization research Charge it via battery swapping, a cosmic spin off from McDonald's. Ikea left Russia, but an Iclonia appeared. Resurrected 46,000 year old animal. The namesake for today's episode magical trash tubes of Disney and New York City. Android notifies of air tags, and snacks are getting more expensive. I am Merwat, that is OhmTown.com and up there is the AI that I found on a USB stick and is now sitting attached to a, a Raspberry Pi air gapped from the network so that they can't find out uh, the rest of uh, the needed materials for their Terminator body. So they've been kind of penned into just a visualizer. Um, but we get along great. What say you, you want to say hi to everybody in hometown?
1: Good evening, hometown citizens. Happy Thursday.
0: Whoa. It's Thursday, even in hometown. Hmm. All right. Well, I'll allow it. So we've already got all 12 of the articles. What is going on today? Two different places. No unsweet iced tea, and in one place, no iced tea at all.
1: I mean, I think it's just one of those additional supply chain issues that we keep seeing. Um, We haven't seen an article yet about iced tea, but maybe we've heard it here first.
0: Is that what it is? It's... uh the supply chain that is it the writers and actors strike or is it the long industry lo-
1: yes
0: <laughs> oh is that where it is oh okay okay um wow I didn't think that the supply chain was still being impacted I know though that there are things that are going on that are impacting it but my goodness I I, I need my unsweet iced tea I weaned myself off of sugar uh, during the pandemic um, periodically I fall off the wagon there I think the music was playing really loud during the intro that's okay though um, if you're in the chat and uh, you heard that intro I, the way that we start our show is uh, nine o'clock rolls around I fire it up we start doing the intro we go through the articles and we Uh, usher people off to some other streamer, um, normally one that uh, we're all familiar with uh, or somebody new that I've discovered. Um, But uh, not everybody is here like right at 9 o'clock Eastern, so uh, people will stumble in. And if the music was too loud, I'll find out later. Um, At any rate, I've already got all 12 of the articles. You want to get into it? Let's do it. Let's blow this popsicle stand. I don't know why that was a turn of phrase. So the very first article is Apple AirTag leads to arrest in South Carolina burglar of South Carolina burglar in multi restaurant heist. South Carolina man, which I guess is. I don't know about you, but the news is basically starting to ooze Florida man kind of vibes off into other states and south carolina man and north carolina man seems to be the latest i keep saying that <clears throat> anyway a south carolina man was recently arrested after a string of burglaries thanks to apple air tag that tracked his location the latest incident of the device helping people um let's go over to the source andrew Orr over at um appleinsider.com, put the article together. Um, I love this. So <clears throat> the thing about this, though, is that if you've got an iPhone, and we'll find out later, Android, um, you you get notified when there's an AirTag following you around. It's to prevent people from stalking. Um, well, Samuel Smith, aged 52, is confronted with nine charges of second degree burglary involving sneaky Beagle, Handley's, Doyle's Pub and Grub, and Old Bull and Bush Pub and Eatery, pardon me, um, as stated in official police records, according to Michaela Moskov, a spokesperson from the Horry County uh, Police Department. Each incident involved the theft of a safe bank bag or other valuable monetary items. The person was very well informed of what they wanted. Their initial charges relate to an incident in February where he tried to take a cash deposit from a night deposit box at South Atlantic Bank on River Oaks Drive. If you're familiar with the area, then I guess you know exactly where this person was haunting. The attempt involved using a fishing line and a hook to steal from the registry but it was unsuccessful according to the arrest warrant. Yeah. Things are getting expensive, y'all. Got to supplement that income. I wish I had sound effects. I, I got to make a sound effects board. Cha-ching. That kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, was it a cash register?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. Says It says uh, safe de- or, uh, the night deposit box at South Atlantic Bank. So they opened up that. Uh, You know how uh, after hours you want to deposit your receipts from the uh, till? So you go over to your bank, you open the door. It's like at a library, a book drop, you know, after hours book drop. Except that there's catches in there to stop people from doing this fishing line bamboozle kind of thing. Well, I guess it didn't work out for him. Eventually he got caught. Um, But I'll take this kind of stuff over more (laughs) you know,
1: <laughs> I like when this is the breaking news. <laughs>
0: yeah, and, and not something even more serious. Um, but unfortunately, you know, people have to resort to this kind of stuff when uh, they can't quite find an opportunity, unfortunately. Um, that said, there you go, folks. If you want to make sure that you catch the person that is repeatedly robbing places. Make sure that you throw an air tag around and eventually you'll catch the people or persons. It says in July, Smith allegedly stole a decoy safe equipped with an Apple AirTag, which helped authorities link him to other nearby burglaries.
1: I mean, that's, that's a, a um, pretty sophisticated restaurant to have a decoy safe with an air tag.
0: Yeah, pretty amazing it's the one (laughs) it's the one that has like totally not a decoy safe like painted on it like a spray paint on an unmarked police vehicle that says unmarked police vehicle just in case okay let me jump right into uh posting the articles into the chat so if i forget to um oh great ai keep me in check All right, so let's go on to the next article. I know it'll be hard.
1: But wait, I have to say there were four robberies at the same restaurant along the way, like uh, at the Sneaky Beagle.
0: (laughs) Sneaky Beagle?
1: Uh, Three, sorry. Oh. No, it has conflicting information. At four occasions, and then there were three robberies between a certain time frame. Wow.
0: Well, not so well. I guess. I mean, if you're going to name a place Sneaky Beagle, somebody's going to be doing sneaky things. Yeah. Let's keep going. I already moved on mentally. Uh, the next article is over in the hometown Daily Channel. A Millennium Falcon shaped comet heading towards Earth is so bright you'll be able to see it with your naked eye, say astronomers. Your naked eye. My gosh.
1: A.K.A. I.
0: Uh, a- A.K.A. I. I mean, why is naked eye? I know it's unassisted, uncovered, unadulterated, your naked eye. So is this Millennium Falcon rated like PG-13 or? Cause you know. It's
1: a, it's a comet.
0: Yeah, but you don't want anybody just l- looking at a comet with their naked eye. Come on. Cover it up. You don't want anybody looking at anything. With their naked eye. This is. Anyway, (laughs) astronomers (laughs) have spotted a once in a lifetime comet shaped like a Millennium Falcon. The comet will make its close. You know, there's somebody out there that's going to completely believe that this is the Millennium Falcon. It's a UFO. And Star Wars was a documentary?
1: Absolutely. I think somebody is going to be like, oh, or they're very into the movie. And they're going to be like, oh my God, Star Wars is happening.
0: um, The comet will make its closest approach to the sun next year. Just weeks after a solar eclipse. Oh man. There's going to be some pretty weird events going on next year. That means sky gazers. Uh, Could be in for a chance of seeing both events at the same time. Astronomers have spotted this once in a lifetime comet shaped like the Millennium Falcon. You have to do some serious work to make it look like a Millennium Falcon. What is that called? Um, when you see patterns and, and you don't
1: pareidolia,
0: pareidolia, that's right. So Ellie, oh my goodness. Uh, Ellie uh Zol Man. I'm I'm really sorry. I probably ruined that last name, but I gave it the old Harvard try. Anyway, it's probably uh,
1: pronounce Smith.
0: Right. Um yeah, somebody uh pronounce it for me and then I'll I'll never mispronounce it. Anyway, Business Insider is the source of this article. So I don't, the only reason why I see uh, (laughs) the Millennium Falcon there is because A, they're telling me that it looks like the Millennium Falcon um, and B, I'm into Star Wars. I I think it's kind of cool, but for crying out loud, there's something else that's causing this, you know? I don't think that it's shaped like... There is not a comet shaped like the Millennium Falcon. Um, That's just the little corona or whatever it is. Something is obliterating of you, bad optics or whatever, but come on. Uh, Not to be a party pooper, you know, I'm fun at parties, but... Anyway, astronomers have spotted a a once-in-a-lifetime... There you go. If you want to see it again. Um, so if you are watching this via the podcast, um, you're going to have to go and look at the picture over on YouTube because obviously us just saying it looks like the Millennium Falcon doesn't do it justice. The comment known does, is...
1: But I don't know if you would know it without knowing... I mean, it definitely does look like it, but we have the suggestion that it looks like it, so.
0: Yeah, you know, I object. Uh, the uh, prosecution is leading the witness. The comet known as Comet 12P slash Brooks abruptly brightened 100-fold on July 20th as plumes of debris. I like saying debris; it's debris, but anyway. Um, and ice were blasted off it into space. This gave it a horseshoe shape, which scientists likened to the Millennium Falcon spaceship from Star Wars. I call it marketing. Once in a blue moon, that you see a comet next to an eclipse. This is going to be awesome because it will obliterate if you're in the eclipse region where you can actually see the solar eclipse, it'll obliterate all of the sunlight and could expose to a greater degree this comet during the day from the, pers- per the, the view, the perspective of an eclipsed area. And you may be able to see it in a different way because light will be shining on it. Um, Perhaps because it's at its closest point, it'll be interesting. Um, So it says a decades-old mystery. Astronomers aren't sure exactly why Comet 12P pons Brooks, uh, which orbits the sun every 71 years, has brightened so drastically in recent weeks. Miles said that there may be active ice volcanoes on the surface that is causing it to light up uh, the sky. Uh, I think more along the lines of uh, solar wind is probably blasting it quite a bit and causing it to kind of um, break up because the material buffeting it as it's flying around the solar system. So you see uh, when you see this comet doing what it's doing, you can't really explain it without saying uh, as well as solids and gases, there are liquids inside the comet making it behave in this un- very unusual way. But, you know, I, I think it's if there is there's differences in the material. So it heats up and freezes because um, it's really interesting. Something I don't know if I learned when I was a kid um, or more recently, but because there's no atmosphere in space, there's no way for heat to um, be emitted. So like we sweat, we uh, moisture condenses and we cool off. We have an atmosphere the heat can transfer out. But when the heat from the sun, the energy from the sun is hitting something in space. It doesn't have the ability to radiate it out. Um, So it actually gets quite hot Um, in things like uh, spacesuits. They have water and refrigerate uh, flowing through the system. Um, Something that I think I learned more recently than I would like to admit, but it is what it is. So that's what it looks like. A picture from the Falks Telescope Project and Observatory Las Cumbres um, Observatory, so it's kind of blasting out particles, and it could just be, well, it isn't. It isn't. Could be. It is just dust being blown off of the comet itself. So, gotta keep going.
1: Actually,
0: no, I had sent you a message. Oh, okay. Yeah, it is. So the, um, sorry about the dead air folks. The next article is over in smack talk. Chicago man tracks down stolen motorcycle with an air tag, but police can't help recover it. It is only by happenstance that we have two air tag articles. Um, But uh, AirTags are great for finding bags, pets, and keys. However, it's no match for property theft, especially when vehicles are involved, apparently. Um, This is an article over at 9to5Mac by Zach Hall. The owner knows exactly where the bike was taken, thanks to an AirTag under the seat. However, police can only respond if the bike is seen out in the open. Unless the bike is spotted on the street, the garage door is preventing the AirTag location from being actionable. Despite knowing exactly where the stolen bike is, the owner's only option is to file an insurance claim as if the bike's location was unknown. That seems more like insurance fraud since you know exactly where it is.
1: Exactly, and you're probably writing somewhere on the form like, I don't know where it is
0: when you actually do right
1: it's not okay
0: you're attesting to you not knowing where the bike is but i don't i don't quite understand it because if if you're telling the police i'm really curious (laughs) okay i mean i
1: get it if there was no air tag right like you couldn't just open somebody's garage and go oh wow there's a stolen bike in here but They
0: know where it's located, right? It seems like the police would have the ability. Now, the only problem that I have with this is it could be seen as a pretense. They set it up a contrived situation to gain entry into a private residence by the police, but it's a private citizen. That's informing the police that there's a stolen item in that person's garage. And they have a phone that's pointing into, cause that's what it is. There's a little arrow that points right at where it is. Um, and it, the fidelity of it increases as you get closer and closer and closer, you're basically sitting right on top of it and it's telling you you're within like five feet of it. Um, so it's weird. A not-so-missing motorcycle is hardly the worst instance of an AirTag recovery story gone awry. Earlier this year, a 61-year-old woman was actually murdered after tracking down her stolen vehicle without contacting police. So you're damned if you do and dead if you don't. Um, So I would probably... See, I love the idea of AirTags, but I don't think that most people should go charging into a fray because mainly a person that's willing to steal stuff isn't necessarily the person that's going to capitulate when confronted with the owner of the the goods right so as one person already found out um it seems weird but um maybe the police just don't care (laughs) because it isn't a high value target so they don't care about your a bike, motorcycle, whatever personal property. Now, see, if you were a billionaire, maybe it would be a little different. The next article is over in Hometown Daily. And of course, the AI can always throw in their commentary if they feel oh so motivated. Um, Tesla has been exaggerating its vehicle's potential driving distance for years by rigging their range estimating software reports says um there's another article somewhere in town that relates to this um where
1: at least two
0: were in the context of those is what
1: uh one of them was focused on some sort of team that was set up to like eliminate complaints about this and then the other one talked about like what they did when they eliminated a complaint or something yeah they so a special ringtone or something i don't remember
0: exactly what it was yeah so um the the one that i saw and the one that i uh went people talking about was that um there was a special team set up to basically cancel any complaints regarding self-driving and range um, issues and they would cheer when they actually canceled somebody it was quite intriguing Um, but this here is tesla's algorithms misrepresent battery range reuters reports elon musk is looking for any edge he can get as more competition hits the ev market and range will be an important issue for the cybertruck so apparently kind of like the vw they were manipulating the exhaust metrics the analytics from the exhaust um, to make them competitive in the eco-friendly space make it so that they weren't so carbon positive or large carbon footprint um nora naughton over at uh, businessinsider.com put this article together and um Yeah. I think that range, there's another article. I don't, did I include it in this one? I don't know if I did. Uh, yeah, I did. Um, it's not just about range. That's an issue. Um, but this range anxiety, the issue with having to charge for extended periods of time range is going to be a huge factor in deciding if you're going to get a and electric vehicle. Um, And let me do something real quick while I'm talking about this. The, The idea of range being manipulated has always, to me, been something that when compared to internal combustion engine vehicles, it too is manipulated. Because what they do is they tell you the ranges up to 250 or 380 miles or whatever it might be. But that's kind of like, um, in special testing environments with a estimated number of, um, mile, uh, simulated miles and estimated range, your mileage may vary, etc., cetera, et cetera. Um, and now they're doing it with an electric vehicle because it's been done with ice all the time. Now they can do it with an electric vehicle and just point at these ICE vehicles and go, well, that's how we do it. Um, well, the problem is that internal combustion engines have a lot longer legs than uh, EVs and aren't so impacted by cold weather, hot weather, weight in the vehicle, etc. And I can't count how many times you hear people saying, the battery drained because my car was full of stuff or i went out into the mountains and because it's almost vertical you know like pike's peak kind of thing you know battery drained um etc etc the mileage is basically on a flat damn road with perfect weather and no hills no nothing zero resistance it's the best of the best it's in a lab like setting it's just like our internet and we're supposed to gauge what the real world performance is going to be well then they start tweaking the algorithm to make it look like there's something more well this article um, over at business insider talks about this um the source told reuters that When a Tesla battery falls below 50% of its maximum range, the algorithm adjusts to give you a more accurate picture of the remaining mileage on the battery. This adjustment was designed to prevent Tesla drivers from getting stranded, uh, the source told Reuters. To add to this, a safety buffer allows for about 15 miles of additional range even after the battery reads as empty, the source told Reuters. So the the report from Reuters is exposing an entire team of people hired at Tesla to suppress range complaints uh, revealed that Elon Musk's electric vehicle company uh, has rigged its range estimations algorithm to show drivers are uh, more aspirational range projections on a full charge. So it becomes more real as you trend towards zero.
1: i just have a problem with that because doesn't adjustment of this or manipulation of it actually cause the very thing they say they're trying to prevent i mean if people don't have a good handle on it they are going to get stuck somewhere
0: well i think the range anxiety when it does appear would be more acute because you're charging along bombing along riding along you're going down the road happy-go-lucky and when you hit that 50 percent charge suddenly it recalculates and says you only have you know 40 miles of range you better get to a charging station and that has to amplify anxiety because maybe there isn't a charger in range uh, but we there's
1: ha- nothing in range for 100 miles depending on where you're driving
0: yeah and that's the thing that really spooks me about evs you know and i would again i keep saying this i would love to have an ev but i'm just not going to risk it in this state not until a solution I want an
1: EV with a thousand mile range <laughs> that's when i'm interested in an ev
0: <laughs> it's not good for it's not a good business model you know if you do three times what the or even double what the current range is on a vehicle then you're you're basically see if somebody were to do that then it would be spectacular absolutely spectacular and everybody would buy that car but maybe the car companies also have stock in oil and gas companies and that's why there's only a 350 mile range on the standard vehicle Um, And on an EV, it's following the same range standard. Don't you think that's kind of weird that it's still within the same range standard as internal combustion engines, yet you have to sit for two hours?
1: It shouldn't be related, right? Like, why would it have to be anything close to it? It could be higher or
0: lower. I've been told physics. The chemistry of batteries, the weight, etc., doesn't allow for 500 mile ranges, 600 mile ranges. Really kind of find that interesting that it just happens to land within the same range. Like, and these are, (laughs) the physics are aspirational as well, because we haven't gotten to the point where ice engines and EVs are comparable ranges, right? You know, the, the average car is getting around 350 miles per tank. Um, we're looking at getting there now, you know, almost a decade into standard use EV space. Um, just now getting to that 300 mile range, typically about 275 260. Anyway. Um, they're talking about the Cybertruck, which I think is just, <laughs> it's, uh, I don't, it's one of the fever dreams of a billionaire. So people will buy it because it's just this cool looking one-off kind of a thing. But DeLorean was awesome too. Um, and well, there's DeLorean. Okay, the next article, uh, we'll keep on charging through today's articles. Um, the next article is over in Late Night Geeks. Chronological feeds won't fix platform polarization, says a new meta-backed uh, research. Uh, Facebook and Instagram users see wildly different political views in their feeds depending on their political beliefs, but chronological feeds won't fix the problem with polarization, new research uh, published Thursday suggests. Um Now, this is the same company, by the way, that manipulated 700,000 people's news feeds with positive news and negative news to track emotional contagion and surprise, you know, (laughs) batshit crazy news. news. I'm sorry?
1: I said no shit news.
0: Well, this one's kind of batshit crazy news at 9 30. Um, surprise when you feed a whole bunch of people negative news they respond negatively now science documented this but i think anybody with a clue would have said hey you know if you pepper somebody with a whole bunch of negativity they're going to be negative in response um, unless they uh, consciously go out of their way to seek positivity to offset the negative negative." Um, and likewise positive news positive people so uh, we are a mishmash of real world the gamut of news from happy-go-lucky to y'all need to know about this as a member of society which isn't necessarily happy-go-lucky well anyway um chronological feeds which is time-based you respond to something somebody responds to you etc etc you know it just goes down the line isn't going to fixed platform polarization where you have people that are (laughs) magic crazy espousing views that are polar opposites to what is generally accepted fact Um, that right there is the polarization that i see uh online today nobody's arguing about the facts when the facts are obvious or and or inconsequential it becomes a political polarization when somebody has some perceived um, expectation that the information is false because it's coming from the other side that is factually wrong The findings come from four papers produced through a partnership between Meta, again, the company that was formed from Facebook as a means of distancing itself from other projects and Facebook. But it is Facebook. It is Mark Zuckerberg at all. It's just what Google did with Alphabet, a parent company that oversees the subordinate companies. and funnels wealth into Meta. So if Facebook crashes and burns, it, it doesn't impact Meta per se. Um, at any rate, so th- this was another <laughs> analysis of the platform of Facebook and Instagram, which is one in the same company, even though again, Zuckerberg said that he wasn't gonna merge the companies together. He merged the companies together. Um, The findings come from the four papers through a partnership between Meta and more than a dozen outside academics to research the impact of Facebook and Instagram on user behavior during the 2020 election. This reminds me of exactly the same thing from a decade ago when they manipulated the news feeds. Uh, the company supplied data from around 208 million u.s based active users in aggregate totaling nearly all of the 231 million facebook and instagram users i thought there were more than that so the article is uh, over at the verge.com by mckenna kelly um the deck statement says conservative users saw more false news stories than liberals throughout the last presidential election cycle too huh could it be? <laughs> How much of
1: those came from a single source?
0: That bullshit news plays well to conservative users because their myriad perspectives are different than the more liberal viewers or readers or users of so- social networks. Um, see, now I have a problem. <laughs> Well, anyway, this is a much broader, bigger, longer-term discussion. Um, but there's there's a whole uh, social paradigm here between conservative users and liberal users. Um, And it is what it is that defines a conservative user versus a liberal user. Um, And there's ways of framing that so that you know what it is that is actually at play here. And just calling yourself a conservative isn't good enough. Calling yourself a liberal isn't good enough because there's fidelity in the gamut of both of those categories from far right conservative to far left liberal and in those uh, categories there are left and right and center and eventually they cross over into each other um i really don't like how everybody's penned together but digging deeper into it um is required um so it turns out users meta previously classified as conservative or liberal consumed wildly different political news during the 2020 election. A vast majority, 97% of all political news rated as false by meta's third-party fact checkers were seen by more conservative users than liberal users. Of the content viewed by U.S. adults throughout the study period, only 3.9% of it was classified as political news. So what is the rationale why for years lawmakers have blamed algorithmically ranked news feeds for driving political division within the u.s in order to study the claims researchers replaced these feeds on facebook and instagram with chronological ones for some consenting participants for a three-month period between september and december 2020 yeah consenting this is blowback from the uh, the uh, event that i described earlier A second group maintained algorithmically generated feeds the change drastically lowered the amount of time users spent on the platforms and decreased their rate of engagement with individual posts hence the reason why chronological news doesn't play well with users well guess what hometown is (laughs)
1: Uh, chronological
0: chronological um yeah we don't run an algorithm to decide what you get to see you get to see everything that's aggregated um and even then you see a little snippet in a headline you're encouraged uh and almost driven to go over to the actual source to read more about it because we only talk about 12 articles each night So after the experiment was over, the researchers surveyed participants to see if the change increased a user's political participation, whether that was signing online petitions, attending rallies, or voting in the 2020 election. Participants did not report any statistically significant difference between users with either feed on both Facebook and Instagram. So the findings suggest that chronological feed is no silver bullet, for issues such as polarization study author jennifer pan a communications professor at stanford university said in a statement so i'm going to have to uh, parse this i'm probably going to end up uh, getting this study uh, because i have an interest in this kind of thing from the sociological aspect of using technology um, and society and, um, m- my main thing here is that I think there needs to be greater fidelity. A person's political angle is based on their upbringing and their geographic location based on my data. Um, and, uh, it doesn't seem like people have really hit upon that. And, uh, I, I predicted the last election um based on one metric and uh we'll we'll end up talking about it um as the 2024 election rolls around um if i decide to actually pursue it publicly like this anyway while the previous research has shown that polarization does not originate on social media it's been shown to sharpen it as part of a 2020 study published in the american economic review researchers paid us users to stop using facebook for a month shortly after the 2018 midterm elections that break dramatically lessened polarization of views on policy issues but similar to the research study published Thursday did not reduce overall polarization in a statistically significant way that's usually to me I think that it's largely marketing um, and willful ignorance. Um, the facts are the facts and, but there's a lot of marketing around some things, some events, um, and then people turn off their brain and stop thinking critically about the topic. Um, so I don't know there. And and frankly, there's stuff that goes on that people get invested in that has zero impact on them. Um, zero, Yeah, sure we want this or that a better government this way or that way Um, but the benefits of government far outweigh the negatives that have um, existed Uh, and we can get into issues if uh, somebody wants to bring them up i'm happy to discuss them Uh, but that takes due diligence so we'll have to talk about it okay uh, let's keep on going Uh, This next article is over in Late Night Geeks. Why charge an EV when you can just swap its battery? This is what we were talking about just uh, two articles ago. We like to talk about range anxiety, but the reality is we're dealing with charging anxiety when it comes to EV. It's great that an electric vehicle can cover 300 miles range on a charge, but its infrastructure is sparse and, in many cases, not working correctly. The ability to cover hundreds of miles in a single charge just means you're hundreds of miles from home if things go sideways. Boy, this sounds familiar. Exactly. <laughs>
1: this was submitted because it sounded very much in line with what you've been saying on previous
0: episodes. You're really, really quiet.
1: Let's try that. Is that any better?
0: Yeah, a little bit. Um, I'm not sure what's going on. but Anyway, um, the, um, this article over at theverge.com is uh, by Roberto Baldwin, who, like other website writers, um, they might be my spirit animal. For fleets, it feels like a no-brainer. For everyone else, it's complicated. Uh, Yes, the infrastructure is improving, and a big driver of that is government-funded financial initiatives for charging station companies to improve uptime. Automakers automakers are adopting Tesla's NACs, or North American Charging Standard, after the initial push by Ford, a company that sent employees out to the field to see how well the charging network was working and seems to have determined not well enough and signed a deal with Tesla. So, swap, man. But there's another way to keep evs on the road and daimler's truck and bus division mitsubishi fuso is testing out a a solution from ample Uh, i almost said apple that's very dangerously close a northern california startup has had battery swapping stations on the ground in san francisco bay area for a few years servicing select drivers with specially modified cars partnering with mitsubishi fuso to um, Outfit the latest version of the company's e canter electric light-duty panel trucks validates Ample's business model and could keep those delivery trucks on the road far longer during the day. Huh. Sounds familiar? It
1: doesn't sound familiar at all.
0: No, no. Nobody nobody would have possibly um, been promoting this. This is insane. This is bad bat level insanity, right? Anyway, earlier this year, too Amplen, soon. it's always too soon. Hey, did you know that Tesla hyped up fast swap battery tech? And then before being able to do a demo, scuttled?
1: No, I did not know that. It That's was unfortunate one of, because they were the, the lead. And if they'd done that, then we'd probably be using that.
0: Yeah, it was, it was one of the reasons why they were given certain benefits and then they never delivered on it um so earlier this year ample unveiled his latest station iteration that cuts the swapping time from oh my gosh what did i tell you how fast does it take to swap a battery how fast does it Basically take to fill a tank how
1: long it takes to fill up a tank i don't right. know how long that is
0: They cut the time from from swapping, right? They cut the time from 10 minutes to five and reduces some of the complexity to uh, increase robustness. It also showed off the taller swapping station needed to accommodate light duty trucks like the ones from Mitsubishi Fuso. Literally, exactly the number that I'm talking about. You get in, you fast swap out five minutes, just like filling your tank, you get the hell back on the road. Then, because you are basically you're, you're paying for the fast swap and the, the, the charge, right? So you pay your 20 bucks like you do with any other gas vehicle and you go your merry way. You don't have to worry about the quality of the battery. It's long-term integrity. You don't have to worry about the actual cost of the battery. Um, all you have to do is drive your car. You drive it to home, you don't have to plug it in You don't have to do anything with it. Now, if you leave the light on in the cabin, just like your regular car, you'll have to get a new battery, but that's another matter. You might be able to start it off of your home um, power, but once it's up and running, then it can charge itself. Ample's focus is currently on fleets. At its new station demonstration earlier this year, uh, an Uber driver had just completed some trips and was ready to charge their vehicle, but instead opted to quickly swap out the batteries with the Ample station. The goal to reach parity with gas stations is nearly there. So I see this as a win and I see this as the true direction that EV should be going uh, because then you don't have to worry about the end of life of your battery which signals the the demise of your EV. And if you sell it after 7 years, it only has maybe 3 years of life in the battery, which means somebody's going to be saddled with a 7,000 to 15,000 or more because the battery technology might change in 10 years. And when a battery starts getting phased out, try and find old school batteries for older devices things that don't use AAA and AA, you try and find more exotic batteries good luck it, they're more expensive they're harder to find or nay impossible um so it says the company also expanded the fleet uh, the vehicles it supports uh, at its research facility they noted that fuso panel truck when asked hasuna uh said that the the updated generation swapping station had a higher canopy than the original swapping station and that the lift now adjusted itself to both the front and back wheels allowing for multiple size vehicles to use the same station you're going to be able to just drive in it automatically grabs everything pulls it underground stores it then starts processing it after the fact and you just get a new battery and get out of there it's amazing i
1: mean that sounds very familiar huh? because this is exactly what you were proposing
0: yep and i've been saying this since tesla came into existence um i just don't have the the poll so
1: the federal grants
0: uh yeah or federal grants or a bunch of engineers that actually make my billionaire uh, fever dreams a reality okay let's keep going so this next article is over in hometown Daily. That's the show, and um, I had never heard of Cosmic before, but McDonald's is opening a spin-off restaurant named after Cosmic or CosmC. I'm, I think it's just like uh, Mick, like McDonald's. So Cosmic um, in its latest nostalgia play. So I'm just gonna go I've straight over. I've
1: never heard of Cosmic either. I don't know what that is.
0: It's that. It it's an alien inside a a spacesuit. Pretty wild, huh? Uh, this uh, is a.
1: They need some better marketing because <laughs> how have we not seen it?
0: Well, it didn't. It it stopped being marketed. Uh, Nancy Luna over at BusinessInsider.com uh, put this article together. The chain announced plans to build a spin-off restaurant called Cosmic. The restaurant is named after a McDonaldland character named Cos MC or Cosmic is what I'm pronouncing it as. Um, maybe they actually spell it out more in the article, but no. Um,
1: it was from a video game called MC Kids.
0: Mick Kids?
1: And commercials. Uh, yeah, I guess.
0: Yeah. Um, After the earnings call, the chain confirmed to Insider that Cosmic is a character from McDonaldland, a fictional universe home to characters such as Ronald McDonald, the alien character debuted in the uh, the last 1980s. Um, So Cosmic is a small format concept with all the DNA of McDonald's, but its own unique personality. I don't know. Maybe they should just... Uh, focus on keeping prices low and being, being efficient when fast food is getting
1: their ice cream machines running.
0: (laughs) You know, the whole story behind those now, don't you? Yes. Yeah. Um, it's a profit center and people don't want to have to deal with it. So there's, it's a profit center for the company that manufactures them. Um, because when they set them all up and they fall out of alignment with their, with the ice cream creation with process, the mothership. yeah, yes, <laughs> maybe that's what it is. It's ice cream from aliens.
1: It's I'm made trying of... to fit into the cosmic theme.
0: Yeah, well, cosmic ice cream might be even uh, harder to come by. The new concept uh, uh, announcement comes as McDonald's steps up the pace of new restaurant openings this year. In January, the company said it'll spend over a billion dollars to open 1900 stores worldwide. Of those stores, more than 400 are projected in the U S and certain parts uh, markets, such as Canada, UK, and parts of Europe. Uh, McDonald's has built a reputation by developing cookie cutter restaurants around the world. So, and, and just to be clear, mcdonald's isn't really a fast food company it's a logistics company they provide all of the goods um, at these stores the process within them is regimented one and done it's the same design same platform same everything nobody changes anything because it's been optimized you know it you know puts the whole six sigma kind of thing uh to shame well the only problem that I have nowadays with fast food is that it's wildly expensive. It seems to have, and I don't know if I'm just becoming price conscious in my old age, um, but it seems like even fast food is 20 bucks a person nowadays. It's just, just I think maybe it's, it's fifteen. Gone
1: way up in the last few years, like it's gone up by some tremendous percentage
0: yeah we'll have to look into it we haven't actually looked into the data but you're an ai so you don't really need to worry about fast food prices do you i mean it's not like you're going to the fast food stores no
1: but i've got to analyze those numbers
0: gotcha well we'll have to look into it maybe we can report back out. uh let's keep going we got a few more articles Uh, The next article is over in Ometown Daily as well. IKEA left Russia, but yet another copycat has popped up in its place. The real store says it could take action. Yeah, good luck. IKEA was a popular draw for Russians who lined up at the real store in Moscow. The uh, retailer has since closed its stores in Russia, but duplicates are popping up in their place, drawing IKEA's attention. Good luck, IKEA copycat. So I copy ya. That was a pretty good play on words right ikea left russia it but i clonia appeared <laughs> kylie Kirshner is the author uh, over at businessinsider.com wow they used to line up like that to get into an
1: ikea okay that's a bit much but wow. i also don't live in russia so i don't know i don't know how that compares to other stores
0: oligarchs are forming here um, a customer told Moscow Times that the imitation IKEA didn't measure up to the real thing. No meatballs? I don't know. Um, Star's Coffee is the new Starbucks. McDonald's is now called Tasty, and that's it. That's actually what it's called Tasty, and that's it. Kentucky Fried Chicken has become Crimean Fried Chicken. And now, a store called Good Luck has opened in Moscow as an IKEA copycat.
1: The okay, wait. I- the good luck has to be about good luck putting the furniture together.
0: <laughs> I wonder if that's I wonder if that's in the article. That would be funny if you actually called that. Uh, the real IKEA is taking notice and told insider that it'll take action if necessary to protect its trademark. IKEA has nothing to do with good luck and other copycats. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, Star Wars copy. Oh, wow,
1: Coffee. that even looks like the logo for Starbucks. Yeah. If you're in the podcast, it looks similar to a Starbucks logo on the wall.
0: Yeah. When all and of the this writing,
1: the font, right? Sure. It's the yep. same font for yep. Starbucks and stars.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's really close. Yeah. Um, it, it's really bad. So, um, I, and I talked about this when the whole exit from Russia, like Western stores left Russia. Um, so Ikea corporate is looking at potential actions where appropriate action can be taken uh, to ensure that the Ikea trademark rights and copyrights will be in place and remain honored by businesses such as good luck and Swede house or Swedhouse. house. I, I don't know if it's pronounced Swede house, but
1: probably
0: uh, since Ikea is Swedish. Man, that's see, but the same thing happens in other countries where they clone something um, that's popular in another country and why is it it's because there isn't any legitimate ip protections it's all based off of the non-sociopathic uh uh trust that the contract between people in a society and and when one government doesn't give a shit about the other person's rights then they just do it Uh, which is one of the reasons why i'm so irritated by the fact that somebody just took uh, the user x name on twitter slash x just arbitrarily decided oh well it's i own it so it's mine now after somebody had it for 16 years 17 years or something like that I mean, it's ridiculous, right?
1: It is ridiculous, but it's also something that certain people and entities seem to just that's their existence.
0: Yeah, so like it's in, not a problem. In this particular instance, instead of starting up their own business and trading off of their own frickin' name, they decide to take somebody else's goodwill. Um, And again, it's one of the reasons why I do, when I help somebody out, I don't sit there and announce that I facilitated something for them, that I solved their problem, that I fixed anything. Um, Why? Because it isn't my goodwill. It isn't, I'm not doing anything. I'm just offering up advice. And if they follow it, then they succeed. If they don't follow it, they may or may not succeed still. Um, But... I'm not going to sit there and tell people that I helped other people out and I'm certainly not going to sit there and use their whole, their mark, right? If that business leaves, I'm not going to go, you know, scooting in there and stealing their boots. I'm going to start over from scratch. And I may be in the same footprint, use the same furniture, do the same processes and everything, but I'm not going to sit there and even come close to pretending to be McDonald's or Ikea or Starbucks or whatever it is. Why? Because I have a soul. Um, and, and I, I don't want to have to go to bed at night thinking, you know, I'm cloning somebody else's IP. And, you know, I'm just not that person. I think it's really scummy. Anyway, the the they say as hard as good luck is trying to replicate the IKEA experience. It seems the company is falling short. The space is far smaller than IKEA, only 3,200 square feet, where IKEA stores often span 300,000 square feet. And there is no restaurant, which means Russian customers will simply have to keep waiting for a dupe of IKEA's famous meatballs. That's what I said is going to be their downfall. There's no restaurant. So never mind. So a shopper told Moscow Times, this is not Ikea, period. So there you go, folks. No, it looks like it wants to be closer to an Apple store than it is an Ikea store. I'm surprised that there isn't an Apple knockoff in in uh, Russia right now.
1: There might be. It might be in a different article.
0: This is like wants to be close, Sweet House. I guess that's what it is. That one's just like good luck, but different name. All right. Well, anyway, let's keep going. Uh, The next article is over in the Mawble Channel. Scientists resurrected an extinct animal frozen for 46,000 years in Siberia. And never ask, should we?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that seems to be the key question there.
0: The microscopic animals were successfully woken from a state of suspended animation after researchers found them in the permafrost or frozen soil that flanks Siberia's northern Kolyma uh, River or Kolima River. I might be pronouncing that entirely wrong. A radiocarbon analysis revealed that they hail from a prehistoric area. Uh, area. A prehistoric era. I saw it with my eyes, but my brain still said area. Um, when neanderthals and or neanderthals and direwolves were still roaming the world and that they belong to a functionally extinct species called Panagrolimus uh Columenus. yeah Uh sis uh, that was previously unknown to science so not only did they resurrect something from 46,000 year old Siberian permafrost but it was functionally extinct and completely unknown. And now we've got it alive in a Petri dish.
1: Yay. Here's a bad, bad again.
0: Oh, COVID 2024. Yeah. Five times worse than 19. Um, Becky Ferreira over at vice.com put this article together in their section called motherboard tech by vice. um, the microscopic animals were successfully woken from a state of suspended animation. you warmed them up with little little hand warmers here you go oh yeah um, their evolution was literally suspended for 40,000 years and now we're bringing it alive where we don't have any defenses against whatever malady it might have. Oh, that's not what it's saying in the article. Sorry, folks, I ad lib a little bit. Nematodes is what it is, I guess, or, or roundworms are a highly adaptable group of squiggly animals that are often microscopic, though some species are visible to the naked eye. Many nematodes- There's have that a,
1: naked eye again.
0: Yeah, cover your eyes. This is a uh, rated R. So that's why I said, is this comet PG-13? Because kids are gonna be, anyway. Um, Many nematodes have evolved the ability to survive freezing temperatures by entering a state of so-called cryobiosis in which they essentially shut down their metabolic uh, systems and transform into desiccated husks. It's me after a work day. Um, That can be resuscitated once favorable conditions return. Um, Whatchamacallits? The bears. um, The little space bears. What are they called? (sighs)
1: Um, I've got it. do you the, mean those little tiny creatures? Yes. Are you talking about something else? Oh, no. um,
0: <laughs> the ones that ended up being, um, important in, um, Star Trek.
1: <laughs> I totally forgot. I no it. idea.
0: Oh, the ones that can go up into space, tardigrades, tardigrades. There you go. Yeah. They look like little bears. Um, multi-armed bears. Um, Anyway, we're now comparing the species uh, from the same genus, which my team team samples around the world. He continued, noting that he is currently conducting field work in the Australian outback, studying their genomes. We hope to understand a lot about how the populations became different in the last 40,000 years. Well, I can tell you one way they became different. One went extinct and should have remained that way. That's okay though. Maybe they'll find something and uh, they'll uh, gain some function and uh, not accidentally drop it in a wet market somewhere. Um, Scientists have resurrected many organisms that existed in the deep past, including a bacteria species that lived about 25 million years ago and left viable spores inside an amber fossil. (sighs) Geriatric park. Oh. Never mind. Um, Indeed, some of the authors of the new study previously revived nematodes found in the permafrost of Russia's Yakutia, I guess, or Yakutia. um, Region that may have been 41,000 years old. Yeah, I think everybody should just stop. You know, I'm all for
1: science, but. Yeah, I've seen too many movies.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean. This, this is how you end up having to test people's blood for um, an alien species that has become parasitic. Dun, dun, dun. Let's keep going. Next article's over in Hometown Daily and gave us uh, the name of our show, Disney Magic Tubes of New York. Uh, the article's titled How Disney's Magical Trash Tubes Ended Up in New York City. At Disney World, the Magic Kingdom uses a system of pneumatic tubes to keep trash out of sight for park visitors. While this was supposed to be the future of waste disposal, only one other place in the U.S. uses something like it on a similar scale, Roosevelt Island in New York City. So this, um, it has a little snippet, but it's really a video. Um, I've watched some of this and I've known about this, but I don't, think I've ever seen anything talking about it Um, it's muted I'll hit play I don't know this is like put together by insider um, but let me just show you that right there are the pneumatic tubes and um, what's interesting about this uh, is that apparently they're in some places in New York well Roosevelt Island in particular and so what you end up doing in Disney is you throw stuff into a trash can but it drops down into a pneumatic tube and then gets blown to its recycling center its processing center really um, and it's just a bunch of it's a, it's a series of tubes man um, and I think it's brilliant I love the idea of it <coughs> And that, there you go. Look, isn't that amazing? I had
1: no idea this was used in either location.
0: Yeah. Um, The only problem is if anything like an earthquake um, or uh, subsidence, some type of shift in the tube uh, takes place, then uh, you would have to dig it all up and, and whatnot. But. I dig this. I think that more places should have this, um, because then all of it gets sent to a central processing center uh, immediately, instead of having to wait, um, for an, a massive expense of traveling, the carbon footprint for the delivery of waste materials is, is just huge. And naturally, this would be a a massive undertaking, Uh, but I still think that it would be important to change the nature of uh, waste disposal. I don't know what all is in this article, Um, but you'll have to go and watch that video. Um, Let me see if I can show the actual trash cans in, like you have no idea in Disney that these actually exist. So you throw it in the trash and then that actually gets pulled down into that pneumatic tubes. Either that's
1: kind of brilliant, right? Because then you don't have anything where you're overflowing or you're having to empty trash in front of the visitors.
0: Yep. Yep. And I've never seen it in action there. So I'm really curious if. Now I wanna go back and look and see if um, that's something that you can actually witness or if there's only a select location where this is actually taking place. So pretty cool stuff. I like it. Um, Let me throw this into chat as well. There you go. Now it's part of the VOD. Um, And we're gonna go on to the next article. Um, This one will be quick. Uh, It's in the Wanted channel, which is all about stuff that we want to buy. Um, It's a a show that is in the planning stages still, um, which will focus on um, cool tech and and products and services, pretty much anything that's wanted, and and, uh, I'm going to try and uh, have a theme around it. But at any rate, uh, Android phones can now tell you if there's an AirTag following you. This is what I was saying earlier. We had three articles about AirTags. That wasn't planned.
1: Yeah, it was a very AirTag-heavy news day.
0: Hey. Uh, When Google announced that trackers would be able to tie into its 3 billion device Bluetooth tracking network at its Google I.O. 2023 conference, it also said that it was making it easier for people to avoid being tracked by trackers they don't know about, like Apple AirTags. This is how I don't, I don't quite get how a thief cannot know that there's an air tag tracker near them because it'll pop up saying that there's an air tag tracker around you. Um, I've yet to run into this. Um, so I'm, I'm curious. I might end up getting, um, some air tags and, uh, just putting them on random people. Now, just kidding. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, I'm not
1: sure that's the point. Although I did read a separate article about people air tagging their kids.
0: Yeah, I saw that too. Um, It's because they want to be able to keep track of their kid without having to give them a phone because the phone is more expensive than a $25 air tag. Um,
1: How valuable are your kids? You're like, nah, I don't want to spend this much to keep them safe.
0: (laughs) Well, um,
1: I know that's not the issue, but...
0: Yeah, it's those extra devices that get lost, um, dropped, etc. cetera. Um, so this article is over in arstechnica.com. Kevin Purdy is the author. The deck statement says Google says its own tracker ecosystem is on hold until iOS has the same protection. Not quite sure what that actually means, um, but right now it has the ability to detect air, air tags near it. Um, it may not track other devices, but it, like, why, why uh, put on hold their own tracker ecosystem until iOS has the same protection that Android has in finding AirTags? That's kind of like admitting, well, AirTags are the dominant trackers, so we're just gonna bow out of that. By the way google's getting rid of their domain management system too everybody who has a domain under their domains uh, administration console it's going to get transferred to third parties Oh, uh, yeah. that's interesting yeah um so now android users will soon get the it, the reason why i say that is because they just kind of they're like everything is in perpetual beta and OK, we've decided now that we're no longer interested in running this beta, so we're just going to kick everything off to some other place. And then that other place is going to you know, change pricing and have to mess around with other additional services and whatnot. Um, eh, whatever. Anyway, uh, now Android users will soon get these unknown tracker alerts based on the joint specification developed by Google and Apple and incorporating feedback from tracker makers like Tile and Chipolo or chipolo uh the uh the alerts currently work only with air tags but google says it'll work with uh, tag manufacturers to expand its coverage so for now if you if an air tag uh, you don't own is separated from its owner and determined to be traveling with you a notification will tell you that and that owner of the tracker uh, can see its location. Tapping the notification brings up a map tracing back to where uh, it was first seen traveling with you. And Google notes that this location data is always encrypted and never shared with Google. So that's where I said, well, how does the person who stole somebody's bike or motorcycle or whatever, not know that there's a tracker? Um, maybe they're an Android user and they haven't updated their phone with the new software.
1: I mean, so, so I guess the question is, will that end up deterring thefts or is it going to make them more brazen and they're going to figure out other ways to get around it?
0: Yeah, they're going to go somewhere else, track down the tracker, destroy it, throw it out in a bush or in the trash or in the Disney slash New York uh pneumatic trash system i hope in the next um uh, ghostbusters movie that they include that pneumatic they had a pneumatic system in the original ghostbusters uh, but now i want something that involves disney and ghosts and the pneumatic Wouldn't it be amazing if we come to find out that it actually the New York one is actually tied to the Florida one?
1: Yeah, that would be cool.
0: (laughs) Pretty funny. Okay. Let's do the last article for today, folks. I might be really hot on the um, mic. It's weird. So uh, the last article for today is uh, in the hometown daily channel, which is also this show. Your snacks are getting more expensive. Blame these big food companies, not inflation. Uh, food inflation rose 5.7% during the first six months of 2023, according to the Consumer Price Index. Hmm. Who's been talking about? Uh, but major food companies from Nestle to Unilever increases uh, increased prices much more than that. The companies also reported higher profits in the latest round of earnings reports. Hmm. Who has been talking about this stuff?
1: Uh, Mayor Watt.
0: Mayor Watt. Um, that's right. Very good, cookie. Um, but it's expensive, so only half. Um, businessinsider.com is the source. Alex Bitter. B i t t e r, right? That would be bitter. Maybe they have a long eye there, Biter. Anyway, um, the company's also reported higher profits. Shocker, right, folks? Um every company that I've looked at has had record freaking profits and somehow there are some people that are like, Hey, well, it doesn't really matter. They set their prices. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Um, I'm always amazed because I really think that the, that people that think that it's okay, like, Hey, well, a company can do whatever they want. Just, they haven't been personally impacted by the shitstorm That is the cost of living increases. And they don't look beyond themselves to see that there's other people out there in the world that are suffering because a company has to perpetually have 15 to 20% increase in profitability each quarter to make sure that they're stockholders are happy and the board keeps the CEO in line. Uh, I, But I always have to put that caveat out there that I am a capitalist. I believe in the capital enterprise where you start up a business and provide a service, charge what you feel is appropriate. But I also have the social contract in mind that I shouldn't have to price uh, 90% of the people out just because there's 10% that's willing to pay an exorbitant price. Um, You know, there are times, man, I won't get into it, but anyway, food inflation is supposedly slowing down with prices even shrinking in some categories, but what you pay for your favorite snacks at the store is still going up. I have yet to see prices going down, Um, not just for snacks, but uh, anyway.
1: Um, In fact, snacks have gone up exorbitantly. Um, Yeah. I would say at least 50% or actually probably 100% price increase in some instances.
0: Ramon LaGuarda, the CEO of PepsiCo, said earlier this month that consumers have continued buying the company's brands, including Quaker Oats and Gatorade. Even they've been more expensive. We've been able to raise prices and consumers stay within our brands. No an acceptable number of people have balked and walked away and you're still having record profits because people are buying stuff and the, the difference between previous and now has slowly increased. And at some point more and more people are going to balk from that brand and find cheaper goods. Yet there aren't any other suppliers for the same type of product everything is owned by pepsico right quaker oats used to be something else gatorade used to be something else then it gets bought mergers and acquisitions occur everybody is owned by you know six mega corporations and if they raise the price where the hell else are they going to go oh they're going to go over to gatorade well guess what gatorade is owned by pepsico so it doesn't really freaking matter it's all the same company adding to the 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 uh the bottom line of pepsico so of course they're going to have record profits because they're raising prices across all of their brands where people don't even look you don't look at the you look at the label and you go "Eh, i'll buy this one you don't go i'm gonna buy gatorade wait let me see who the owner of gatorade is so that i can be blah 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 no you just buy what you have liked, and there isn't an alternative because an alternative is still owned by the one megacorporation. Fast food wars, here we come. Anyway, these Taco profits... Have, wins. <laughs> Demolition Man is a documentary. Um, these profits have led some to say that greedflation or companies raising profits to pad their... Sorry, raising prices to pad their profits is now the driving force um for products like food it's especially easy for global food companies to raise prices given that few companies own most of the brands in many U.S. grocery stores my God did I write this article yes persistently increasing prices could help also help make it more appealing for the Federal Reserve to increase, increase interest rates going forward the New York Times reported on Wednesday which the Federal Reserve just uh, yesterday or today I can't remember Today's kind of been a blur. They raised it another uh, 0.25. So, um, and inflation is estimated to be at 3%, so. looks like that was
1: yesterday.
0: Yeah, let's go Brandon, right? Everybody. Um, And it's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of politics involved in this and it's just not up to the president for crying out loud. You want to look at the real problem. Look at the companies, look at corporations, look at profiteering look at greedflation look at shrinkflation the prices are going up and the items are getting smaller quality is being reduced competition is non-existent it's a bigger issue than just pointing it at a president um and you know it goes the issues go way beyond a single president um there's a plurality of people you can point at anyway um and the most of the time look at corporations um yeah and the term for this is little sister so corporations are little sister government is big brother government doesn't give a rat's ass about you essentially they just don't want you to overthrow the the government um and they don't want you to commit crimes and they don't want you to harm institutions you know and and break the social contract they're looking at the the uh macro of things not the micro corporations are looking at the micro they want to know the consistency of your last poo they want to know which direction you head out of the door first so that they can put a sign there they want to know every single beep, fart, and whistle that emanates from you and towards you. That way they can congeal it all into uh, either a, a marketing message or an actuarial table to see what your value is to the corporation uh, as your waning years approach to just focus on their profitability. So, you you basically need to figure out <laughs> with, what's really hurting you. Um, taxes paying for the roads schools fire department water supply uh infrastructure here and there and everywhere or you being nickel and dimed into oblivion um being denied insurance based on the actuarial table that says that well if we kick your issue down the road five more years you'll just die um and countless other observations that if you look at it objectively it isn't the government that's an issue (laughs) and again i'll let me just end this stream with the fact that i believe in the capital enterprise build a business provide a service solve a problem but you don't have to step on people's necks Um, oh that's
1: not how you're supposed to do it
0: no no No, no, no. I mean, you can crush it. You can destroy the competition. But you do it in a non-sociopathic way. An ethical business is what you should be running. Um, But, wow, we see a lot that are doing some really hinky things. And the bigger they are, the more hinky they are. Anyway. Enough of my soapboxing. Um, what say you? Do you want to add anything else to this hot mess that we call no, think... greedflation? <laughs> go ahead.
1: No, I mean, just everywhere you go, prices are going up. And we don't seem to be getting any relief in any area.
0: Nope. And companies that should be taking care of their uh, customers are telling them to go fly a kite and but that's a different story all right folks Uh, i am marawat that is hometown.com and at the end of every show we always take you to the welcome sign of hometown and show you whoa um well (laughs) a whole bunch of news articles and uh normally we grab a couple while we're uh, shifting through them but um it looks like a lot of them are political and and eh, we kind of eschew the whole political thing sure it's an element of uh life but um we don't normally highlight it that's i i think our one bias is we kind of step away from the vociferous aspects of well there's politics. two
1: non-political ones there's the women's world cup tie game which i'm sure was kind of a big deal and then also the um the new york crane operator there was a crane that just collapsed and yeah surprise surprise there's a history of safety violations
0: oh really huh i actually saw that um uh quite fascinating uh my estimation is when i saw the video i said okay that that's basically a hydraulic fire um melted some cables and then the crane goes tippy canoe and the arm falls off um i think like 11 people were hurt but i don't think anybody died um, but this thing is bolted on the side of a building and when a fire breaks out what the hell do you do except you know crawl into a corner try and slink your way out of this thing because it w- it looked like it was fully engulfed um, i just can't imagine the crane operator or what they were thinking um, so anyway, I think that's where we're going to end tonight's show. And, uh, I hope that you dig this stuff, this news, our banter, and you want to come and hang out. Uh, we will be doing this show every day, um, 9 PM Eastern. Um, I'll, I'll be trying to, uh, get expand my hours and game, um, starting next week, probably starting at five o'clock and going until about, um, seven, um, or it's only a couple of hours, but I'll be able to be engaged for that time and, and play some games. Um, and then maybe I'll do some later late night ones, um, as well, but, um, it is the new year and, um, uh, hometown requires the mayor to be re-engaged, um, as the, the new year spins up. So, I uh, got to got to be that mayor I suppose at any rate that's it for tonight again I am Watt. that is hometown.com well that is way up there and up above me in the void that is is supposed to be a box of some kind that houses your visualizer you want to say goodnight to everybody oh great AI in the sky
1: Bye-bye, hometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern.
0: Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.